Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hello and welcome to Off the Beaten Track podcast. I'm your host, I'm Stu Whiffin. It's another week, therefore, it's another episode. Today's episode, I got to sit down with Andrew Roachford of Roachford. And oh, what a great chat it was. I was um, lucky enough to get invited to um, uh, a secret show um, just before lockdown uh, and got to uh, see Andrew play uh, his new album live uh, and obviously played the hits as well, which was great. And uh, and so uh, thanks ever so much to um, Asha for uh, who who I was at the gig with and uh, and he facilitated this this chat with with Andrew and uh, and you're in for a treat. We talk about some marvelous records on this episode. Um, and before we get on with the chat, just a few thank yous quickly. Um, thanks to Seventy Six for producing this podcast. Uh, thanks to Scroobius Pip and everybody at the Distraction Pieces Network. And, and once again, thanks to Asha for putting this together. Um, If you enjoyed this episode, uh, when you finish listening, then uh, have a look in the archives of this because you'll have access to 160 plus uh, free episodes talking to uh, so many of your favourite singers, actors, actresses, DJs, producers, comedians. Go and have a look in the archives and, uh, and see what's there. And if that's not enough... There's also a Patreon page as well to accompany uh, this podcast. And I put up uh, three or four radio shows a week over on there and video episodes and, and all sorts of bits and pieces. You can find out about all of this stuff uh, and links to all the other podcasts in the uh, in the back catalogue at www.offthebeatandtrackpodcast.com. Right, let's get on with it. Please enjoy Off The Beat and Track Podcast with Andrew Roachford. It's off the beat and track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. It me, Stew Whiffin. Okay, we are recording and sitting opposite me today via the means of Zoom is Andrew Roachford. Hello. How you doing, mate? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. I'm good. Um, appreciate your time today and ahead of uh, getting stuck into the songs, um, I'm just going to ask you um, how you've uh found uh the last sort of three or four months of of lockdown um how how you found that as as both a, a human being and as a creative well um yeah lockdown was strange especially at the beginning because you know you just didn't you just know what, what to do with yourself i didn't know what to do with myself and uh um yeah it took me a while to get used to it, a couple of weeks before i actually realized that This was going to be going on for a while. Um, so, yeah, but then when I got my head around it, I, I actually started to enjoy it. I'm lucky enough to have an a garden. And so I was spending a lot of time outside and uh, 
just trying to slow down, you know, because I'm so always doing something, but I had to let go of all that, you know. Uh, creatively, in the beginning, I wasn't really um, doing much music, funny enough. I literally was just vegging out and a bit of cooking, <laughs> improving on the old cooking. So it's now three signature dishes instead of two. You know? <laughs> <clears throat> um, but then I started to fall back into music again, you know, because uh, eventually... It's inevitable for me. Uh, and it was great because you just, I didn't have that sort of pressure of, yeah, I got to create. It's just, just wanted to, just wanted to mess around with ideas. You can't force it though, right? You can't really. That's the best ideas come when you're not trying to make them happen. You know, you can't really, you can't uh, contrive being inspired. You can't contrive inspiration. So, actually, the more you let go of it, the more stuff actually comes to you, oddly enough. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's talk about some wonderful records. Um, Andrew, for track one, I want you to tell me the song that you think has the greatest ever intro. The greatest intro for me, I think, has to be Billie Jean. You know, um, as soon as it comes in, you just know what you're in for, you know. (laughs) Everyone gets up on the dance floor it's uh yeah it's just unmistakable just drums but you just yeah. know that drum track it's yeah great. quincy jones knew what he was doing as well didn't he it yeah, was just definitely. sounds so beautiful um i'm i'm going to ask you um for somebody that's been making music for uh, in, in you know commercially for for a long time uh i'm really interested uh to know andrew uh how you approach uh, intros as yeah. uh, as a songwriter initially when Roachford first kind of you know exploded onto the the, the music scene and and how you approach them now um, the difference I'm interested in is the way that people now listen to music has changed dramatically from there was no streaming services or anything like that it was I guess the, the big thing back you know when Roachford first comes trying to get radio play which I guess he's still a thing there, but it's getting on them Spotify playlists and things like that. So I just wonder if you, you know, how it's changed for you as, as when you approach songwriting and and and, and, in, and the intro as well. Uh, with um, with songwriting, I don't think that the change of the way people listen to music has really impacted how I write. You know, uh, a song is a song in the, the day, and. Um, you know, the only difference for me, it's uh, I noticed that people tend to listen to like soundbite or they listen to like one song. So when you're making an album, you have to bear that in mind that now everyone is up for hearing, always up for hearing the whole record all the way through. So it may change how I sequence the songs. But generally, writing a song, intro, uh, where it's going to fade or how it's going to end, I don't really think about you know, streaming or CDs. I don't, it doesn't, this doesn't really change it for me. Yeah. You, you touched on something there, which I thought was really interesting. And, and, and I've mentioned that to previous guests as well, which is the, the kind of culture now where a lot of people will just not buy an album, will cherry pick tracks off of iTunes from that album. <laughs> um, and so has that, you know, you, you, you sort of mentioned that it's, it, you know, it's something that you consider now. So I, I imagine, you know, 
throughout the majority of your career, you know, an album is a body of work, you know, it is a piece of art to be listened to in its entirety. Is that something that you, you've now kind of started to sort of reassess? To a point, I re- reassess it because before, I mean, st- you know, still, you when you're sequencing the songs, you, you wait, you, you look to see how it works as a story on an album. You see how the story, you know, it's like, it's like working out a live set for me. You know, however, today I do consider the fact that a lot of people will be, you know, just picking songs out here and there. And then and then having said that, I listen to Spotify and if there's an artist that I like, I will put on the album. I put on Leon Bridges, I, I'm putting on the album. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, uh, I still do that. I think people still do that. I think it's people a lot younger that really don't have time for that as much, you know, yeah. because I haven't grown up with that. Uh, but my crowd definitely still will listen to an album. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. Andrew, track two, I want you to tell me the first thing you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you. Yeah. Well, it's a great word, emotional, you know, because of course I remember hearing loads of songs as a kid, but the first one that made me kind of, stopping my tracks for some reason it still has the same effect and it's my sharia more was on the radio stevie wonder and i didn't really know stevie wonder's music as a kid and i was like what is this it just spoke to me uh from the intro from the la 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 la, on that bit i was just like i was in and uh also i think mainly maybe because he's blind it painted a lot of pictures in my head as well it made me imagine where he was because he he was in a cafe somewhere in Paris and so the whole thing was quite visual as well so that had a big impact on me what would that emotion have been uh well I think the feeling was wonder I was completely no pun intended (laughs) 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 but it was also there was a little behind it there was a little melancholy sort of thing hidden in that somewhere um, that I just resonated with for whatever reason. Maybe I was a sad kid. <laughs> how, how old would you have been? I would have been, ooh, not quite yet double figures, maybe about eight. Yeah. And where, where would that have been? Where was home? Home at the time was in, um, home was in, I had just moved to South London because I, I started off in Tottenham. Sorry, my phone is talking to me. Sorry, sorry, switch it off now. I started off in uh, uh, in North London, but I moved quite early to near London Bridge, Borough High Street area. Uh, born and raised in London, of course, and so I would have been around that area. Okay. Yeah. Well, I imagine your school days were, would have been in London then. So uh, for track three, Andrew, I'm going to ask you this song that reminds you of your time at school. Uh, the, t- the song that reminds me of my time at school would be uh, a Bob Marley and Whaler song, which is, because uh, the school I went to in South London, it was uh, quite a lot of people like me whose parents are from the Caribbean as well. And so there was a lot of reggae music being played in the school. But there was one song that was on the mainstream radio by Bob Marley and the Whalers called So Much Trouble in the World. And I remember I used to walk past at the lunch break, a hi-fi shop, and just stare at the speakers and they always used to play it. And I just was in awe of the sound, you know. I, it was a very, um, it was a very produced reggae sound, and I was curious about how they got it to sound like that, so big. Yeah, and mm. and and it's weird because I hadn't thought about that song until you uh, sent your list over, 
and because that was a single, it, it, it was a re- it was yeah. released, wasn't it? It was a single, but it doesn't ever seem to sort of feature on like it wasn't on Legend and it wasn't on lots of his kind of compilations and things. And it's and as soon as you sent that over, I listened to it. And it's a wonderful record. Yeah. It is a great record, you know. And as usual, I mean, Bob Marley was so consistent. Bob Marley and the Wailers were so consistent, and it had a message. Again, I resonated with it. I I see myself as an I'm a natural humanitarian. I think I always was in my heart and so when you hear that kind of lyric um from someone who actually cares about the world they live in it just strikes it struck home for me yeah absolutely mm-hmm. um how did you find school andrew did you enjoy it uh elements of it i enjoyed and elements of it i didn't enjoy of course i uh liked meeting up with my mates <laughs> um it was when we had to get into classes where it all went wrong for me. <laughs> All the other bits were great. No, that's not true. I, I enjoyed science and I enjoyed, you know, like all the sciences, physics, chemistry, where you could blow up things and um, dissect things, biology. And uh, <laughs> But maths was really hard for me. And everyone says, well, you're a musician. You should, you should naturally be good at maths. I'm not. Um, and uh, But the music lesson was really, you know, my music teacher became like a mate, you know, and um, I was really lucky that at my school they recognised it. I had a little bit of a some spark musically, and they, they, they uh, knew that I needed to focus on that, and uh, eventually that became the main subject that I focused on. So, what was you doing musically then? Was you playing? I've always been playing. I I, I was lucky enough to uh, be born into a musical family. The Rochford, it's like the Rochford dynasty of music, you know. Um, so. Music, you know, my uncle had a band, my dad, they were rehearsing in the living room, so music was always around. There was always a piano, dead centre, living room, that was it, you know. And I started messing around with it, plonking around when I was about four, and my mum decided to get me some lessons. So I started getting lessons quite early. Uh, and then I, when I got to school, I started a school band, and anyone and everyone was invited into a school band. It had about 25 members at one point, including three teachers, you know. We had one teacher on the base, and <laughs> it was really cool. So, uh, in regards to, to to that, was you was you a confident kid then? Uh, I wouldn't describe myself as a confident kid, but I also wasn't like withdrawn. I was I was sort of cheeky chappy a little bit, you know. Humor was always important to me, so I was that kid. Yeah. <laughs> um, and in music, obviously, I was at home and everyone at school knew me because of my connection to music. Okay, okay. <laughs> and so at that point, as you're starting to kind of, you know, being brought up around bands and, and, and being able to play the piano and stuff, when you was listening to, you know, tracks like, you know, the, the, the aforementioned Bob Marley record, like, would you break them down and deconstruct them and work out how they were put together. Was, was, did you have a musical mind for things like that? Was you already kind of working as songs were put together? Yes. However, I think my first thing when it comes to music is I'm hit by the emotion of the track, you know, how it makes me feel. And that intrigued me more than the notes, you know. Uh, I could always, you know, figure out the notes on so much trouble to the world because what well, Marley stuff is 
generally quite simple you know the reggae stuff was like two or three chords and quite you know mantra type melodies and stuff but emotionally that's what intrigued me and I wanted that when I listened to people like James Brown and Stevie Wonder that was what I was intrigued about is the power that came through emotionally okay Andrew what was the first record you remember buying the first record that I bought one of the first I remember buying was Show Me The Way To Go by uh, the Jackson 5. Uh, I was a huge Jackson 5 fan, you know, seeing them on the television, especially being a bunch of black kids, it was just like, wow, you know, and they were amazing and Michael Jackson's charisma and that song, I remember playing it in all days when I bought this, it was like a little single and when I bought it on vinyl, I play it all day and drive my mum mad because it was just on repeat. I loved it. Show show me the way to go. Show you the way to go. Are you still like that? If you hear a new record, do you play it and play it and play it and play it and play it? I'm not one of those people. I've got friends. Uh, I used to go out with a girl that used to play songs, and after the first couple of days, she was sick of them. She couldn't hear them again yeah. for like a year. You know, I'm not that person. <laughs> I'll move on, you know. There's certain songs that... I may want to have a, especially if I'm hearing them for the first time and they hit me, then they'll get some replay, but I don't overdo it. And, it, you know, whilst we're talking about records and, and sort of formative years and stuff, like, aside from, like, you know, the, the stuff you'd hear from, from your family's bands and stuff, like, was there always records on at home? And if so, what were they? There was always music on at my house. And obviously being of Caribbean descent. My mum and my dad are from Barbados. Uh, there was a lot of Caribbean music, which was Calypso, old-time Calypso, and there was ska and, uh, you know, reggae music was being played, and also a lot of uh, American Stax-type soul, a lot of Otis Redding, um, Sam Cooke. Um, and and then, because I grew up in, in, in the UK and born in the UK, when the radio was on, it was whatever was on Radio 1, because it was about Radio 1. Yeah. Okay, I want to, um, before I get to the next track, I, I, I'm interested in what I mentioned to you about, you know, wish you a confident person. Um, when, for me, when, when I first saw um, Roachford on, on Top of the Pops, and then all of a sudden it was everywhere. You know, you could not move for Cuddly Toy. It was like, this song is everywhere. And how did you find being a lad from London all of a sudden, you know? I mean, I also want to ask you what it was like going on top of the pops. Um, uh, but, but but just, well, let, let, let's, let's ask, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll ask you that first. So, for some, you know, for everybody, you know, of, of our generation, Top of the Pops was so important, you know. It was the, the weekly thing where you got to see your pop stars. How was it for you going on Top of the Pops? The first time I went on Top of the Pops, I mean, it's surreal. It's a programme that I grew up with as a kid, uh, never actually realising one day I would be on it, you know. Yeah. And, and obviously the first time when you're actually filming it, you're going wow, I'm actually doing this and this is it. I'm here on that show, you know. Um, and it was great because there was a lot of other artists that I recognised from the television, from tele, <laughs> uh, walking around, you know, Mick Hucknall. There was loads of people, uh, the Fine Young Cannibals and loads of uh, American artists. And, and you, you know, I remember LL Cool J walking past LL Cool J. No way! Yeah, and he had a... 
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. A group of guys with him. And I wanted to go up to him and um, say hi, basically. And I think I approached him maybe the, with too much enthusiasm and he kind of all squared up and all the guys squared up and I went, oh no, it's not <laughs> <laughs> we're not like that over here. <laughs> Just wanted to uh, say hello. <laughs> this, is, this is way before gang culture in the UK, but you know, um, and I just want to say hello, yeah. How, how did you find it? Did, did, did you feel like you belonged there? Because, you know, we, we all suffer from imposter syndrome and like, how is it seeing people like Mick Hucknall and, uh, and LL Cool J and, and thinking, well, hang on a minute, I'm on this show as well. You know, did you feel like, yeah, I belong here or did you have that imposter syndrome of thinking that's LL Cool J over there? I think by the time we got on to Top of the Pops, you know, I was very well aware of how powerful Comedy Toy was as a track mm. and what it was doing. It was, it was moving mountains. So, I think I felt pretty worthy to be there. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, you know, some of the people you see, you just it's just like, you know, it's just me, Andrew. But but I really believed in the track that I was doing. I really believed that it was competing on a level. Brilliant. Brilliant. And so the, 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 the other thing that I wanted to ask, then at that point, um, becoming a household name, how, how did you cope with that? How, how did you find fame? I think, uh, you know, I was, I, I never saw myself in that way. So it's weird. It's like, you only got to be on top of the pops a couple of times. And in, at least in the UK, you are a celebrity, Yeah. you know, because it's just everyone watched it. So for me, it was an overnight thing. You know, uh, one day I was going into Tesco's and no one blinked an eye. And literally the next week I'm walking in to get some spam. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's Rochford buying spam, you know. <laughs> and then, you know, you get subtle things where the checkout girl will just be like beaming and smiling at you a little bit too much. And you kind of go, wait a minute, does she know me? And, and it takes a while to adjust. And then I obviously getting people who camping outside the house. And for a while, I, I was a bit 
worried that I didn't have any privacy, that I'd lose all of my, because I'm quite a private person and it freaked me out a little bit. So then I would, you know, get my windows tinted out in my car and, you know, slight paranoia started kicking in, but then you get used to um, it. And I was always, had my band around. So I was always uh, surrounded by a crowd of people that kept my feet firmly on the ground. Trust me. (laughs) I mean, um, so it was, we, I handled it okay, I think. Wonderful. But it's tough, you know, when you're in your 20s and all of a sudden loads of people telling you how great you are. To keep your ego in check, that's a challenge. And and most people, you know, they they they, they lose it for a little bit. Yeah. I think I probably did a little, but then you, and then you kind of go, hang on a minute, you know. Yeah. Um, girls screaming, you know, you had a young audience and they're screaming. And then you kind of go, hang on a minute, they're not listening to the song. <laughs> <laughs> I think I sang that really well, but they <laughs> You start know, feeling like a Chippendale. Like, well, <laughs> <laughs> um, for track five, Andrew, I want to know the song that soundtracked your years clubbing. I think I've always loved Chic, you know, and uh, even when they might have gone out of Chic, you know, uh, <laughs> for me, it was still good time music, no pun intended, you know, I'm such a punster. Uh, <laughs> And, you know, when a DJ would play that song, even if it was in the days in like in the 90s or whatever, or, you know, it still got the dance floor going. And uh, I just liked Nye Rogers' guitar. I just thought that was it for me. That was it. It's just like I can dance to that all day, all night long. Do you know what? I mean, it's been incredible to see the sort of resurgence of appreciation for for Nye Rogers' chic over the last sort of 10 years. And and I watched... um, I watched a Glastonbury performance maybe sort of three or four years ago and, and obviously his shows now aren't just chic numbers. They're, there's the numbers that he's wrote for a myriad of people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's outrageous the amount of great records he's written. Yeah. Outrageous. And, yeah. Yeah. and you know, and, and that's without the, you know, the productions as well. I mean, he was, he was covering like uh, Bowie's Less Dance and things like that. And yeah. it's like, you just, forget like just how important that guy is for music i was lucky enough to meet him in a club where there was a like a live music happening like a jam session thing and i bumped into niall and then later that evening they got us up on stage and i got on stage with niall i was like what should we do and I realised I didn't know the course of any chic songs (laughs) and we ended up playing a 12 bar blues which was the most bizarre Thing I would never expect it to be on my, on stage with Nile Rogers playing, you know? <laughs> but there we were, and I, you know, it's music, it's all music. Um, I would have preferred to play Good Times, but you know, love the blues, and it was good to hear that he's got range, he's got range. <laughs> oh, cool. wow, on stage with Nile Rogers, like, take what yeah. you can get, and it? it's brilliant, oh, that like, was good. He's, so he's good. Such, he's such a down to earth, he's a real, he's a real guy, he's real. Wonderful. Hello, I've interrupted the podcast again, haven't I? Sorry, it won't take a sec. All I want to say is, the songs that we're talking about in this podcast, if we can't play them, it's just because of the regulations regarding playing licensed music and such. So if you want to hear the songs, just go over to Spotify and search off the beat and track podcast and you can listen to all the songs because i've put playlists up for each of these if you can't find it on there i'll send links on all the social media accompanying each episode so you've just got to press that one button and you can go through 
and you can enjoy all the songs that our guest picks. Anyway, I'll shut up, get back to the podcast. See you on the other side. Um, for track six, Andrew, I'm going to ask you a favourite song from an artist from your home county. Well, uh, for track six, home county, maybe it's because I'm a Londoner, <laughs> South Londoner. <laughs> Omar, who lives around the corner from me, uh, when I heard There's Nothing Like This for the first time, I was like, wow, he's from the UK. Because <laughs> you normally expect at that time that sophistication in musicality and sound to come from America, if I'm honest, you know. Um, and there it was, and it was an, such an inspired song. You know, I bump into every now and again, and maybe we're at a jam again, and it, every time he does that song, it never gets old. It feels like yeah. you're hearing it for the first time. Amazing. Well I, done, Omar. I mean, if we're talking good intros, I mean, that's up there, right? <laughs> yeah. Do you know what? It's one of them songs that it's what it is. Right, I had that as my alarm, my wake up <laughs> alarm on my phone for about three years, and so now it's forever kind of tied with like thinking, "Oh, Christ, I've got to get up now." And it's like because it was such a gentle way to wake up, like having <laughs> having Omar singing That's sunshine, that. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it really is. <laughs> okay, um, well, you can play DJ now, Andrew, for the last track. Um, I'm going to ask you a song that many may not know that you would like them to hear. Okay, now I have to remember what I put down there. Uh, there's so much... Um, you went for... Uh, yeah, oh, wonderful. Uh, oh, yes. Curtis. Yeah. Okay, so here's a song that uh, many might not know, but I love it and I want the world... I want to share this song. It's from the 70s. It's a Curtis Mayfield song. Curtis Mayfield is one of my all-time heroes. And this song is a beautiful piece of music called The Makings of You. It's a beautiful record. I mean, how much has, has Curtis's work sort of influenced you as a, as a songwriter? I've learned so much from Curtis. Uh, the way he puts words together as a lyricist. Um, you know, there's a few people that like Curtis, Stevie... Uh, and Sly Stone, that it's not just their musicality, but it's their philosophy on life, you know. And uh, I find Curtis has got a strong spirituality about him. And uh, I I try to, I, you know, that's my thing to aim for and put that into music while still making it uplifting and accessible, you know. Yeah. Um, and Curtis was a king of that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, well, Speaking of, uh, of of new music and stuff, what's what's happening with uh, with Roachford? What's happening? Yeah, well, I'm uh, putting out new music, a new album. Uh, the album's called Twice in a Lifetime, and uh, basically, it's all original songs that I've uh, written and co-written. Uh, also, featuring duet with uh, Beverly Knight, which I'm really really proud of, and I think she loves it too. So <laughs> that helps. Um, and it's really like a, it's like a, it's like old meets new. It's like a soul record. Uh, we actually recorded it with vintage gear and all that, but it's also still contemporary. I managed to sort of keep it still sound like it was made today and not like in 1971. <laughs> I, I definitely think you, you, you accomplished that. I was lucky enough to come to a secret gig um, 
maybe a month or so before lockdown uh yeah. and, and and i watched you play it live and uh and it was it was wonderful absolutely wonderful and uh, and well Andrew, what I'll do is I'll put together a Spotify playlist to accompany this podcast so people can go and check out all the songs that we've spoken about today. And I'll also ensure that uh, there's some of your music on there as well so people can go and investigate it, have they not heard it already. Uh, and I'll put links to where people can go and find the new album as well. And, uh, and so as we find ourselves on the way out of lockdown, hopefully, um, what are you looking forward to and, and what have you got coming up? Well, I'm so looking forward to gigging again. <laughs> I, you know, I tell people this is the longest in my life, literally since I started at 14, 13, gigging. It's the longest I've gone without doing a gig yeah. ever. And uh, I forgot how to do it now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and finally, I'm so happy that because the album had to get put back, you know, COVID-19 messed up, uh, messed it all up for a lot of people. Um, but I'm looking forward to it all getting back on track. Next year I'll be touring and I'm going to make up for it. I'm, I've got that extra energy built up. I'm going to, it's going to be, the gigs are going to be something else. Uh, and yeah, just looking to get out on the road and do as much gigs as possible next year to make up for not doing any this year. Wonderful. Where's the best place for people to find out about what you're doing, Andrew? Well, still is on uh, my website, roadford.co.uk, or, or you just type in Roadford Music or roadford.co.uk, uh, and you'll have all the dates on there. I'll be doing a couple of dates, opening for Lionel Richie as well in the summer. Just, just, again, just drop that in there. Playing with yeah, Lionel Richie. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping that, you know, maybe maybe we can somehow get up on stage together. That would just be lovely. Uh, again, he's a part of my... Uh, musical heritage growing up um no one can write a better uh pop song than lionel you know so there we go so yeah you can just go on the website and it's all there wonderful andrew thank you so much for your time today it's been lovely talking records with you cheers do thanks lots mate there you go just had a chat with andrew roachford wonderful um as mentioned, go and check out the new album. Um, really, really good. Like I said at the beginning, was um, was lucky enough to to get to see it played live, and 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 it really has got a, a beautiful sort of soul production to it uh, that does sound like uh, it belongs where it is now. But you can hear the the kind of echoes of of that vintage gear through it as well. A beautiful soul record. Um, I hope you enjoyed this. Um, as mentioned at the beginning, uh, why not go and have a look in the archives as well and see if there's some other people because uh, I guarantee you will um, recognize lots of names in there and go all oh, right I wonder what you know song was the first one that you know soundtracked his clubbing or her clubbing or well, go and have a rummage in the archives because you'll find plenty of stuff to to immerse yourself in um, right I'm back next time thanks ever so much for listening thanks once again to Andrew for giving up his time and uh, and stay safe and uh, and be nice to each other see you next time bye-bye I've got an announcement Save Our Souls Clothing, www.sosclothing.co.uk. Why am I telling you this? Because they're our official sponsor. Yeah, that's right. Go and check them out because their clothing is off the scale. You're going to love it. So they've decided they want to be our sponsor, which is amazing. And what I have to do is I have to tell you about why they're amazing. So here's a little bit of blurb. So they've only been going a year. And they're based in Southend-on-Sea, just up the road from me. They put the company together based on a, a love of tattoos and alternative music. 
And they've worked with some of the greatest artists around the world to produce these items of clothing that are as unique as you lot. All of the designs are printed using biodegradable, sustainable and water-based inks. In addition to that, they only print on garments made by members of Fairwear Foundation. I mean, come on, great clothing and a conscience. Since going live in April last year, they've seen their audience grow massively and are now selling orders all across the world. And they were recognised by Cosmopolitan magazine as one of the best sustainable clothing brands alongside names such as Stella McCartney. I mean, that's quite a first year, right? So, go and check them out because they've put a lot of love into supporting this podcast and I couldn't be happier. What else they've done is they've given you 15% off. So if you head over to www.sosclothing.co.uk, do a bit of shopping, see what you like, throw it in the basket, and then on the way out, put in the discount code BEAT15, B-E-A-T-1-5, and that'll save you 15% off. Amazing, right? www.sosclothing.co.uk Official sponsors of Off The Beaten Track Podcast. It's Off The Beaten Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. With me, Stu Whipping. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.